Engaging, sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, Stacy Washington. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, we are really excited to have a jam-packed program and to be able to chat with someone who I, I don't believe he and I have ever uh, spoken on the on the show. It's David Harms from India Partners as a part of our campaign to provide days of safety for children whose parents or their moms work in the red light districts of Mumbai. And so I'm super excited about that. And we also have a jam-packed program for you. So find out more about what we're doing at AFR.net. That's where you can listen to the podcast. You can also go to urbanfamilytalk.com and check out our marriage and family conference, which is coming up in uh, June of this year, the end of the month. It will be uh, in Tupelo again at that beautiful church where we had it last year, the inaugural one. And it's going to be so exciting to hear the speakers and to see exactly what the program is going to be. It's being developed right now as we speak. And you can find out more about it at urbanfamilytalk.com. Uh, so right now, what do we have on the show today? Who's joining us? Well, we are actually going to be chatting with, as I mentioned, David Harms. And we're also going to be talking about, um, you saw, you must have seen this uh, kind of crazy. It's like as soon as the Senate Judiciary Panel says that they found no collusion on behalf of the president back when he was campaigning and, and you know, and beginning his presidency, then you have just just like whack-a-mole, you have one of the members of the deep state pop up out of you know nowhere, come out of a, a hidey hole wherever he was, Andrew McCabe, and he's coming out to say, well, the reason why there was an investigation to begin with is because after one meeting with Donald Trump, I was just convinced that he he's just a terrible man, he's horrible, he's just man, he's, he stinks, he's he's a super stinky, awful, mean man, and so I. I'd seen pictures and images of Andrew McKay before, but in this interview that he did uh, on 60 Minutes, and they've just given a little preview and they're teasing it, and, and everybody over there is just so giddy with anticipation of listening to him run down the president of the United States. A bunch of traitors. That's, that's, that's what they are. A bunch of people who want to see the president of the United States fail and crash and burn so our entire economy can tank and everyone around the world can look and say, oh, look at the Americans. They're not getting their, their whole constitutional representative republic right. Look at them. They'd rather have that than admit that the Republican president is actually doing some pretty great things on behalf of Americans and that we should all be grateful that we have the opportunity to be ruled by despots on the left and despots on the right. And I'm only characterizing it that way because that's literally how Democrats see Republicans. And yeah, we kind of see them that way too. Yeah. So in a politically divided arena such as this one where no one is friends with anyone on the other side. Everyone on the other side is the enemy, the absolute detriment of this entire country, the reason why everything stinks. Then, yeah, I guess we want to see the president crash and burn. We want to see him impeach. We want to see the economy tank. We want to see any kind of progress that we can make on issues that are really, really important to Americans, like figuring out why it is that we can have criminals in South America trafficking drugs into our country and becoming billionaires while our kids are dying in the streets. And what's more important is the president must be some puppet of the Russians. Do you, do you see the inequity there? It's just crazy that this is where we are. So there's also the issue of anti-Semitism. We're going to touch on that as well. And I know uh, Jake Tapper is really fond of anytime you point out the current 
anti-Semitism that's being spewed from the newly elected, you know, wearers of white, handmaidens, ants, I guess, um, on the left, all of those congresswomen, so many of them have problems with Jewish people. And when you point that out, he always says, well, there's an anti-Semitism on the fringe right, too. I mean, so? So what does that have to do with what we're talking about here, which is Omar, this this woman, she just can't stop saying anti-Semitic things. I mean, it's almost as if she really feels that way. So we got Tiny Man McCabe out parroting the worst kinds of falsehoods, trying to justify the fact that he really... He's afraid of Donald Trump. The minute he met him and Donald Trump shook his hand and grabbed him and pulled him in really hard. And he realized that this wasn't someone he could push around. It's not a person who's impressed by academics. It's not a person who's impressed by someone who, who has a librarian's voice. He couldn't intimidate him by simply being in, in the position that he held at the time. That rattled him. And also, let's face it. No other point that I can remember, um, I, I don't claim to be a historian, but I, I have I've read quite a bit. I don't remember any president ever to, or, or presidential candidate telling their opponent that um, they might be in jail. <laughs> and that is exactly what President Trump did in that viral moment during the debate here in St. Louis at Washington University. And that was something that they were really concerned about because they knew they'd done wrong things. Now, if you know you've done wrong, you're going to be much more susceptible to trying to clean up after yourself than if you've been operating in the black. If you're just if you're just rolling with it and you haven't done anything wrong, then you're probably not going to be as concerned if someone says, yeah, if I was a president, you'd be locked up. And if you haven't done anything wrong, you're like, yeah, that's what you think. I wouldn't be locked up. I haven't done anything wrong. But that's not the way Hillary Clinton felt. That's not the way her cronies at the FBI felt and the DOJ. That's not the way the Obama administration felt. And they're above the law. And all of us with our, our eyeballs screwed in tightly, we can see that that's not going to happen. But that's not the way they felt because they're guilty. So before I get too far into this, because we're going to get into uh, the fact that President Trump has actually started work on the wall. And we've covered this before, but I'm, I was really interested to see that it's kind of news to other Americans that the president has already begun to build a wall. And what I mean by build is add on to existing wall structures. Uh, and he's been building the new prototype, one of the new prototypes that's concrete and steel. And the Democrats are so upset about that because it's smart wall and it actually prevents it's it's much more effective at preventing illegal entry than the bollard and the, you know, the steel slat and all of that. So first, before we turn to that topic, I want to get into our daily confession, Jeremiah 723. But this thing commanded I them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and you will be my people and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. So oftentimes we get to a place where we, we're, we're basically, we're crying out to God, oh, I need this, I'm, 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 you're stuck in the ditch, whatever's going on. You're having a problem and you want God to answer. But sometimes the ditch we find ourselves in is directly correlative to the amount of disobedience we've been operating in. And it can be tough. Now, it doesn't mean God's not going to answer our prayers. He's, he's, that's what he's, he, he exists to, uh, to answer our cries. He is responsive to us and he cares deeply for the things that hurt us and harm us. So every, every concern that we have. But today I want to point out that we have a responsibility to be obedient because it helps us to avoid the ditch. So 
in the Bible, a verse that goes with a cross-reference verse for this Jeremiah 723. Um, well, first let's get into the, the verse before and after it. I want to kind of make it a whole, it's the whole verse. So 22 says, for when I brought your fathers out of the land of Egypt, I did not merely command them about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but this is what I commanded them. Obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. You must walk in all the ways I've commanded you so that it may go well with you. Yet they did not listen or pay attention, but they followed the stubborn inclinations of their own evil hearts. They went backward and not forward. So Exodus fifteen twenty six reiterates that. If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and pay attention to his commands and keep all of his statutes, then I will not bring you, bring on you any of the diseases I inflicted on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So again, stressing the need for us to be obedient and not raise up idols to take the place of our true worship and source, which is God the Father. All of these things he says to us, over and over and over again, again in Exodus 19.5, now if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession out of all the nations for the whole earth is mine. God is clear. He wants us to obey him. And we have, in other words, the, the onus is on us. We have to be willing to admit, hey, I'm not, I'm not in obedience in this area. That's the first step. Because sometimes we're like, Lord, please help me out of this. I'm like, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm overwrought. I'm burnt out. I can't take this anymore. First thing we have to do is acknowledge, you know what, Lord? I'm burnt out. I'm overwrought. I can't take this anymore because I'm, this, this is sin. I got to get out of this and I need your help to get out of it. And he is faithful and able and just to do that for us. And as Christians, when we do that, we open up the door for not only restoration, healing, um, you know, getting getting helped out of the ditch, as it were, but also to be able to share with other people who we might see them in a similar situation to encourage them. Hey, we 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 have to be obedient, and God is always faithful and just to to answer our cries. But we, we have to be obedient and to encourage each other in that way because obedience is it's not the easy road. Otherwise, everybody would be obedient, right? Everybody would just be doing it if it was super easy. That's why the Bible says that the path is narrow. The path, narrow is the gate that, that gets us into eternal life with, with our Father in heaven. Wide is the path to destruction because it's easier to be disobedient. Now, the ramifications of that are, you know, it, life isn't as good. It's not as full when we're disobedient, but it is easier because we don't have to discipline ourselves. So I encourage you, uh, the verse again is Jeremiah 7, 23, and I actually read 7, 23, or 22, 23, and 24. It's a great one to meditate on um, and to ask God, hey, where am I on this? What, you know, what, what am I, what do I have going on that is not obedient to you? And let him show you what that is and then, you know, get to work on it. So let's talk about this, this, it, the current issue. It seems like it's all anyone's talking about, and I can see why, um, the, the reason that all people are talking about is because we have this amazing opportunity to fund more border security and more safety for Americans, less drugs, less crime, less MS-13, or we can kick the can down the road and keep on operating as is and let more Americans die to DUIs, MS-13 drug, gang, gang violence, shootings, machete beheadings, and 
rapes, assaults, um, violent robberies, kidnappings, and of course, DUIs. So those are the two options that we have. And the president is acutely aware of this. And I know it's not something that we're going to want to hear, but it turns out there are some good reasons for him to go ahead and go with it if some of the things that we're reading are true. And we'll get into that as well. But right now I want to hear him in his own words. He talks about how unhappy he is with the deal that's being proposed. It's number one. I don't think you're going to see a shutdown. I wouldn't want to go to it now. If you did have it, it's a Democrat's fault. And I accepted the first one, and I'm proud of what we've accomplished, because people learned during that shutdown all about the problems coming in from the southern border. I accept I've always accepted it. But this one, I would never accept if it happens. But I don't think it's going to happen. But this would be totally other Democrats. So he mentions that the wall is already being built, and um, it's true. They've, they've launched into some of that, and you know they're using funds that were allocated for that last year, so it is something he can take credit for. But there's so much other money out there, and we're, we're going to talk about the sources of some of that money that the president can tap because he's the president of the United States and the money's already allocated. So we'll get into that and more. Up next, we're going to have David Harms from India Partners. Stay right there. Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, on our spiritual heritage tour of Washington, D.C., we go to the Supreme Court. That's one of the places we go on, on day one, and we visit the inside chambers. We go to where the justices sit, and it's an amazing place to visit, the Supreme Court of the United States. We don't just look at the outside. We go the inside and see where the justices sit and where oral arguments are heard. So that's just one of the places we visit on one of the days when Washington, D.C. And we also go to Mount Vernon, the home of George and Martha Washington. So we're going in September. June's full. September will be filling up soon. If you want more information on this Spiritual Heritage Tour, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. 
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. There's an old gospel song I've grown to love. In fact, God often uses this song to motivate me to keep moving and to not quit. The song goes, I don't feel no ways tired. I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. You know, there are many reasons to quit, to get discouraged, or to just coast through the passion and zeal phase. We get frustrated. We get upset. We have unfulfilled dreams, passions, and vision. People let us down. There are prayers we've prayed that God seemed to put on hold, and and we get overwhelmed, and we feel like quitting. I've met too many people who haven't necessarily quit in the Christian life, but they've certainly cranked it down. Uh, They're built to go 120 miles per hour, but they're just cruising at 45 or 50. You know what I mean. Periodically, in my own walk with Christ, I have to go back and revisit my high calling. Life is too short. The mission is too great for us to shrink back. I love what the Apostle Paul says in his farewell address to the elders of the church at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 and verses 19 through 21. He says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to remember today. The death of our Savior is worthy of all that we have. Let's give him our best. Don't shrink back. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so pleased to welcome our next guest to the program. Um, I'm not sure if he's with us. Okay. So hopefully our next guest is with us. It's my pleasure to welcome um, David Harms from India Partners. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Okay, maybe not. So, um, once we figure out what's going on with the guest, he will be with us. Um, but until then, um, I want to get to a little bit of the India Partners audio, where we hear directly from the children who are most impacted by uh, what's going on with the wonderful work that India Partners is doing by providing them with days of safety, homes where they can be safe away from everything that's going on. Um, so let's listen to India Partners Cut 3051. The work my mother does, I do not like. But since my dad left us, he or she has to earn money, somehow. I used to get so mad at what was happening to my mom that I would bang on the door and plead with her to stop. But the person in charge grabbed me and took me back to my room. I could never understand why this was the only job my mother could do. There are other things. Why this job? The worst day was when these men got mad and started throwing stones at us. 
I didn't get hurt because my mom gathered me in her arms and protected me. But that was when my mom knew I had to get out. My mom talked to the social worker and I was brought here. I was glad to be away from that place, but my mom still hasn't left. Here, I have learned to pray to Jesus. When I do, I feel a peace I can't explain. Growing up, we had many gods, but now I know Jesus is the only way. Wow. So that is, those are the words of, of a small child who has come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ and to be really touched by this ministry that has so, it, it's like a, a haven of safety. It's like a little cocoon where kids who are experiencing things that we, we don't even, it doesn't even come into our thought pattern that this would be something that kids would be experiencing, but they're able to escape that by going to um, these safe homes and being able to just, it, it's just an amazing ministry. Um, I know we're scheduled for a guest from there today and I'm, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but I think we can go to, um, our next, I guess we'll go to our next topic. We have, um, representative Krishna Murthy, who's a Democrat talking about using El Chapo's money to pay for the border security deal. And he says, why not? And I thought this was such a logical response from him on what could happen, um, specifically because most Democrats are saying there is no money for the wall. There's no reason to use money for the wall. There's no reason to even discuss it. We don't need a, a border increase in, in wall building. We don't need any of that stuff. It's a manufactured crisis. It's just the president trying to honor things that he said on the campaign trail. And I, I get that that's the tack that they want to take, but I'm not sure if he was caught off guard or if he really genuinely felt this way. But here he is. It's number two. Okay. We're having some live radio here. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Um, and so to kind of talk about what he said, he was asked on CNN about the El Chapo Act by Ted Cruz. So Ted Cruz has the El Chapo Act and he just, he, it, we've gone on over it on the program. If you're just tuning in, it's actually a really smart idea. Um, El Chapo has had $14 billion in funds seized by the U.S. government. And they did that because the, the funds were gotten through um, illegal activities. So criminal enterprise. So the U.S. government has seized those funds. And now that he's been convicted and he's going away to a supermax prison for the rest of his natural life, the question is what to do with that money. Um, that money would then be taken um, according to the El Chapo Act, which is a bill that was written by Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz. That money would be taken and used for um, building the wall and other border enforcement activities. So it would literally be the money that he, ill-gotten gains, money that El Chapo made doing illegal activities and harming Americans, and he used the open southern border to do that, that money that he got from that enterprise would be turned around and used to seal up the border. And $14 million plus the other allocations that have already been made, if, it's, if it really turns out to be just a million and a half, or, not a million, $14 billion, it would go a long way towards getting to that $26 billion that the president has requested. So we've already had, I think, $3 billion in total that has been allocated by Congress. And then there's other money, like $800 million here, a few million there, um, that have been 
allocated as well, money that's been moved around or used by the president to um, get get the get the work done. And what the president has been able to do is move those funds around, get get work done. But if you take all of that money, so that's maybe close to $4 billion and you add the 14 to it, that's 18. That's so close. Like that's so much closer than 5.7 or 1.5. That's really, it's it's an amazing way to kind of even teaches a lesson to the criminals out there that this is what's happened. Uh, you made money off of Americans and now we've seized your money. We've put you in an American prison and we're going to take that money. We're going to use it to fix the problem. So others like you can't do the same thing to American citizens. Um, so I'm going to open up the call lines, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. You can call in and talk about anything we've discussed so far. Um, I wanted to also go into a couple of other subjects. Now, one of the things that has happened is, of course, some people have come out and said they're opposed. One of the major radio people in the country has come out and said, look, you know, it, it's like beating a dead horse. Take this and then use the emergency declaration. We know the emergency declaration will be tied up in Congress and it will be actually not Congress, the courts. They'll take it to the Ninth Circuit. The Ninth Circuit will put a national injunction on the national emergency. And then the Supreme Court will have to decide, well, do we wade into this or do we not? And um, that'll be something that is really, it's, it's not able to be taken care of. Um, but, okay, so now we have our guest. Perfect. All right. It's my pleasure to welcome David Harms from India Partners. David, thanks for joining the show today. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. So tell us about India Partners. Well, India Partners is a ministry that uh, operates, obviously, in India. And one of our major outreaches is in Mumbai, India, which uh, is home to some of the largest red-light districts in the world. Um, There are girls as young as eight that are trafficked into these red-light areas where they they might be forced to... uh, serve 18 to 20 customers a day. And so with India Partners, we saw that as so tragic and so horrendous that uh, years ago we started two things. One is community centers inside the red light districts. So we set up shop inside the red light districts as a way to befriend women, um, show them a better way. And then for those that are trapped that come out, we have safe houses that, uh, that they go to where every need is taken care of, and that's where some of the real restorative work can happen uh, in the name of Jesus. And so that's, um, that's in a nutshell, what we do. And our campaign here with, uh, with you and everybody uh, on uh, an American Family uh, Radio is to provide the days of safety in those safe houses, which includes everything that they would need. Uh, it's the food, it's the shelter, it's the private Christian school, uh, it would be healthcare, it would be trauma counseling, and of course, all that in the name of Jesus and Bible studies and all the rest. So, for seven dollars and eight cents, people can jump in and provide those to um, to the girls in the safe houses, and we're just excited to be able to offer that. And we have a phone number people can call to give, which they've been doing, and that number is eight seven seven six one six twenty three ninety six eight eight sorry eight seven seven Six one six twenty three ninety six, and then AFR.net. Casey, I don't know if you know this, but so far in this whole campaign, 954 people have made gifts. So we're approaching 1,000 people that are stepping up and saying, 
no, we got to do something to rescue these girls. I, I think it's fantastic. I love the listening audience here at uh, American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Very responsive people who truly believe in putting their money where their heart is and obeying the call when we have partnerships, especially for something like this where we're talking about innocent children. And yeah. um, and so it it's when we listen to the audio clips that you guys have provided to us of the children speaking in their own voices about what's happened to them and what they've experienced, um, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's really, it's hard for us to imagine it because we do have a lot of societal ills that go on here in America, but generally speaking, this is a place where th- we have less of that than say a country like India. Um, and so it's, it's really, it's interesting. You hear it and it just kind of pierces your heart. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it's like, the, like the, the change you see in the kids from where where you find them in the red light district and then after they've been in the safe place for a while. And I, I imagine they, they change and they're happier because they're safe. Yeah, very much so. Um, I, I would say a word that I've learned in reality is the word joy. We, we use that, of course, when we have this inside sense of God's presence and we respond in joy. But I'll tell you, and I've experienced that, but nothing like these girls. I think it's because of where they've come from. Mm. Uh, when they come into the safe house, they're typically, well, emotionally, they're very, very damaged. They've seen things, they've had things done to them that no child should either uh, have seen or have had happened to. So when you start from that point of brokenness, as all of a sudden they rest, they can relax, they have their basic needs, the beautiful home that they live in. Then all of a sudden, as we do devotions every day, as they are talking to our staff, our counselors, our house parents, as they get to understand more of what Jesus has done for them, but really, in my opinion, is the only way you can provide any sense of healing from what they've experienced is because of what Jesus can do for them. So so that's what happens, and you see them go from this very quiet, reserved, scared young girl, and they can come in at five, six, seven, eight years old, and as they, you know, mature, as they get to be in their teens, then all of a sudden you, you see mature young women growing up in confidence in the Lord. And so that's, that's why I, I mean, obviously I've seen it, I've experienced the, the safe house and been there many times, but of course, it, it, you'd have to see it to really understand it, but, but we're very, very thankful for everybody who, without even seeing it, has said, look, we want to be part of it. And so when you call that number, when you go online, we're uh, we're just so thankful for what you can provide. A lot of people are doing $100, which is about two weeks that you kind of underwrite in the safe house. Um, a lot of people are doing a month of $212. We even had a couple people earlier today just say, I want to take care of an entire you know, year for one child and underwrite everything that they would need and that's a $2,560 gift. So a lot of different people doing lots of different things, but we're just grateful for every phone call because we just want to get these girls out of the red light district and safe in the safe houses. So I want to give the number again. We're talking to David Harms of India Partners, and we're asking you to provide one day of safety for $7.08, or as he just mentioned, you can you know pony up $2,560, does a whole year of safety for a child, $212 does a month. Um, and I, I liken it to your cup of fancy coffee and a muffin or you know a slice of pumpkin loaf and straight black coffee from uh, Starbucks. I guess you can tell where my teenage daughter, she drags me there and 
I want to be with her, so I do whatever she asks me to do. And so we drink the coffee from the Starbucks when she's when she's in town. Um, and so there's that, or you can look at it as two hundred and twelve dollars might be. You know, if you're like me, that might be that new pair of cowgirl boots you've had your eye your eye on. You might just put those off to another month. Um, two hundred twelve dollars is also it's you know two fancy dinners out or two dinners out for a family of five on a Sunday afternoon where you're going to brunch. I mean, we can, we can equate this to a ton of different things, but the more we talk about what it equates to us, the more we see how blessed we are in comparison to these girls who they're literally, they're, they're children being plucked out of the worst situations and placed into really what we take for granted, a warm home that's safe, that's cool and, and, you know, cool when it needs to be cool, warm when it needs to be warm, food, um, a bed to sleep in, someplace soft, but mainly just all of the safety that we're talking about here. I want to give the number again, 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or go to AFR.net. I have a question for you that I actually had a friend ask me. She saw the uh, live stream on Facebook, and she said, I saw you talking about something called India Partners. She was asking me, and I didn't actually know, how you ended up in India to realize that the, there was a problem that we could help with. How did that all start? Yeah. Well, it got started over 40 years ago um, when a college student was on a summer break on a short-term mission project with his church and had never been to India before and went and just saw the need. And it was like God just said, this is your place. This is where I want you to engage because of what you see. I mean, when you see... When you see young girls wandering through these areas of a, of a slum, basically, and your heart breaks because you know what's happening, and you know the violence that they experience, you know that the owners are not in any way, shape, or form thinking of their well-being, they are a commodity. I've heard them call themselves, I was a commodity. I was mm. to be bought and sold. And they're 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. And... Uh, and so when you see that, as this our founder did, his name is Brett, there, there's no way you cannot do something. And so that's what started it. And so that's why we're excited here decades later to be able to, to come to you and say, look, this is the proven way to get girls out of the red light district. And as they understand who they are in Christ, we can find healing and restoration for these girls. It's a pretty incredible thing. So thanks for everybody who's calling that number, which is 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396-AFR.net. By the way, 10 people have already jumped in just since we started talking, so thank you for those gifts, and and just uh, thank you for being open to what God would do to bring healing. Thank you so much. What does it take to be a sports success and a team player? Here's Pro Football Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. Hall of Fame quarterback Troy Aikman is one of the most accomplished passers ever to play the game. But Aikman believes he never got to show what he was really made of. His halfback, Emmett Smith, holds the record for most career rushing yards. He's widely considered the greatest of all time. That meant that the Cowboys' offense was balanced and didn't have to rely solely on their quarterback like the Dolphins relied on Dan Marino or the Packers relied on Brett Favre. But Aikman was humble enough to play to the best of his ability on every snap, even when he wasn't the one getting the glory. Sometimes, uncommon teamwork means helping others to shine brighter than yourself. 
Tony Dungy, best-selling author of Quiet Strength and the Uncommon Book Series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Holy Spirit speaks to everybody. The problem is most folks don't listen. Lonnie Poindexter. If they do listen, they don't take it to heart or they get fearful or whatever. But when you listen and act upon it, wonderful things happen. And because a man of God heard the voice of God and acted upon it, it blesses me today. And you as well for listening in. Lion Chasers. Weekday mornings at 10 Central on Urban Family Talk. There are many ways you can listen to the shows of Urban Family Talk. One of those ways is through our very own app. Whether you have an iPhone or an Android, just go to the App Store and search for Urban Family Talk. You'll have immediate access to 24-hour programming as well as the podcast for each show. You'll be able to tune in no matter where you are. Speaking of tuning in, we have our own channel on another radio app called Tune In. Cool, right? Urban Family Talk is everywhere. Just download the app and take us wherever you go. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. America's unconstitutional practice of declaring babies born to citizens of foreign countries has become a magnet for lawbreakers. A group of so-called travel agents operating in California has been busted for advertising and selling Chinese women trips to the United States to give birth to their children so they can be American citizens. It's called birth tourism, and 19 people have just been charged in three different schemes originating out of Southern California. In recently unsealed indictments, the Justice Department alleges the defendants coached Chinese customers on how to pass U.S. consulate interviews by claiming their stays would last no longer than two weeks and suggesting that they wear loose clothing to conceal their pregnancies. This is yet another example of how indecent our current immigration laws are to American taxpayers. These Chinese maternity tourists get citizenship. We get their unpaid medical bills. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Senator Ted Cruz has said that convicted drug kingpin El Chapo should pay for the wall. This is what he tweeted. He said, let's pass the El Chapo Act and make El Chapo pay to secure our border. Um, I mean, it's getting a lot of attention, but do you think that that is any sort of serious proposition? <laughs> um, very interesting. I don't know how much El Chapo has, but if he wants to, if we can use his money instead of taxpayer money to uh, fund this particular appropriations package, uh, why not? Why not? Why wouldn't we do that? So let's go to the phones. If you are, if you just missed our interview with David Harms from India Partners, I want to encourage you to check out what they're doing. Go to AFR.net. Um, you heard him talk very passionately about the kids that they're rescuing there. Some of the children themselves are involved in the prostitution and, the, and they're rescuing them. And so the number you can call to join in on that is... 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or you can go to AFR.net. That's the fastest way to give. You can click straight through. $212 does a whole month worth of care for those kids. Um, $2,560 does a whole year, and $7.08 does a day. So anything that you want to give, we are so grateful for it, and we appreciate you here at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Uh, so let, let's go to the phones now. Amita. Thank you so much for calling the show today. 
Hi, Stacy. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Great. I just wanted to say thank you so much for giving a voice to us. We really love your show. Oh, thank you. And I also wanted to, my question is, I'm not understanding why we really need an uh, for Ted Cruz to try to get this passed through Congress, because when, like, Border Patrol, when they confiscate money and, say, cars and et cetera, Aren't they allowed to already use that money for Border Patrol? Um, I think that it goes to law enforcement efforts, but um, if I'm understanding it correctly, the El Chapo Act would designate that the $14 billion went straight to building the wall. So that would be the difference, because I think what has been done in the past, because you're right, there's a lot of, of, there's a lot of things that are confiscated uh, in, in you know, enforcing the border. And I think what they do is they'll use it for, um, you know, agents or funding different priorities that they have within the agency. And what he wants to do is take the money and put it directly into funding the border wall, which would mean that the money would be line itemed out to specifics having to do with construction, maintenance or repair, uh, or maybe even just construction. I, I don't know why it's necessary. It seems to me like it would be so logical that some pencil pusher would just say, you know, this we have fourteen billion here that we just confiscated from this guy, and the president has ordered us to move it here, and so that's what we're going to do. It seems like that would right, be the, the case. The money is already there; they confiscated mm-hmm. it. They can use it for border protection. The mm-hmm. wall is a border protection, so build the wall. I I agree. I don't know why it has to be an act because the the very idea of having it uh, go back to Congress means Democrats can say, well, yeah. But then that would be a campaign promise fulfilled by the president, so we can't support that. And they'd find some inane, idiotic reason not to support it. Um, Richard in Alabama. Hey, Richard, thank you so much for being here on the show today. Hey, Tracy. Uh, I think that the Democrats, with their dying breath, will fight this because if they can't line their pockets with it and they can't say Trump lost, it would they would be they would rather die than agree to that plain and simple and I, you're right they would they would rather see other americans die than agree to uh do anything like i don't know let money that's already sitting there that is it's literally if you think about it it's american money um that this guy has he's used a criminal enterprise to get that money from americans and, and true enough they paid the money for drugs and it's a choice that people make. And I'm not trying to let anybody off the hook. I'm not saying that these drug lords are forcing Americans into, uh, you know, doing drugs and paying for this stuff. But I am saying that if the money's already there and it's sitting there, it's not just it's not just me. You hear the callers are saying the same thing. And also, um, it's kind of amazing that we even are seeing others in government. And even people, like if you go online and, and type in the search window, El Chapo Act, on Twitter, you'll find a lot of people kind of on there arguing about it and admitting that it's a good use for the money. Sometimes I feel like, you know, when, when Amita called and said, hey, this is what's happening, the, the, what we're seeing is they're already confiscating things from people at the border. They're already doing this. What's the big deal? Well, I kind of wonder where that money is going. And I know there's probably some website somewhere, and if I spend, you know, some time tonight looking for it, I can find it that would tell us where 
the majority of the money that comes from drug interdiction, where, where does it go? When they confiscate these vehicles, I know they auction the vehicles off to the public and they, au- they auction off the jewelry. When they confiscate jewelry from these guys, whatever they take from them, it gets auctioned off. I know that, but then what do they do with the proceeds? Do they just use it for operations? Because sometimes that, to me, kind of has a whiff of fraud, waste, and abuse where it's just extra money there, so they burn through it. Better desk chairs, you know, fancier toilets, the, you know, uh, conferences in Las Vegas. I'm not saying that Immigration and Customs Enforcement is doing that, but other agencies have been known to do things like that to burn through dollars at the end of the fiscal year. Immigration and Customs Enforcement... Uh, it happens to be an agency that is really there overtaxed for the amount of money that they have. If ever there was a case for increasing funding to a government agency, Immigration and Customs Enforcement is that case. And I'm all about the smaller government and spending less money on the government. But, you know, we'll have to see what happens. You know, I almost have a feeling of fatality about it, which means I should pray about it. Because whenever you're feeling fatal about something, you pray about it and the Lord will change your outlook on it. The reason I say that, though, is because Ted Cruz has a lot of brilliant ideas. And usually what happens is Democrats hear Ted Cruz has an idea. They know it's an idea that would work, that would be fantastic. And so they're automatically against it. And they'll do anything to stop it. Anything. Anything they have to do to stop what he's trying to get done from happening, they'll do it. Uh, So I want to point you to India Partners again today. This is our emphasis day. So you're going to hear us talking about this a lot today. And we really appreciate your being here with us and partnering with us. The 10 people who jumped in last segment, we want to double or triple that number. We want your help here today. 877-616-2396. 877-616-2396. Or you can go to AFR.net. And this is money that directly helps little kids. It rescues them and gives them a warm place to stay and just really changes their entire outlook because they get to learn about Jesus Christ and then they start operating from a totally different place. You heard the one child in the in the audio clip talking about this whole idea that um, there were many different gods. And that is the, the plural God thing is like a thing for India. It's one of the things that they practice there. And so if you're learning that there's one God and he's really interested in your life and that you can pray to him and you can feel better. And it's just a radical change. It's kind of hard for us to imagine because, you know, if you're like me, you've been going to church since you can remember. I was, you know, baptized in church, dedicated in church with the cross on my forehead, you know, in the little white dress, all that stuff. So I've, I've never had a perspective where I thought any of the other religions were real. But for kids who've never experienced the gospel, this is life changing. It's, it's like a fresh wind that blows through and changes everything. And so partnering with us helps us get that done. One more time, I'll give you the phone number, 877-616-2396 or AFR.net, 877-616-2396 or AFR.net to give and participate with us. So you're probably wondering, um, besides that little bit there, um, you know, the, the whole idea that we've got the wall going on and all that stuff, um, what are some of the things that we see coming with Andrew McCabe and and this whole and I, I I read some blogs that call this whole situation the Uniparty because so many Republicans actually do want to see cheap labor and they don't want to see the border sealed up and so this is a prime situation for them and the way to go about it is to act as if they're for border security but to really help stymie the whole thing. Um, now CNBC breaking news is just reporting 
uh, updated two minutes ago that President Trump will sign the border deal to keep the government open and accept what's been offered by the Democrats, but he will also declare a national emergency to try to build his proposed border wall. This has been confirmed by the White House. What's so funny about this is that he doesn't have to do this. He doesn't, he doesn't actually have to. And I have, I have some audio for you that we'll uh, get to a little bit later that, that you're, he doesn't have to do the national emergency. Now it's been done so many times before. Um, Every president has used the national emergency declaration to get something done, but this will probably be the first time in which the national emergency declaration, if president Trump decides to make it becomes such a point of contention because they really don't want to see the president get the wall done. I, I almost think it's not an exaggeration to say that if the president is able to build a wall, that he is guaranteeing his reelection because so many people will say, well, you know, he was able to get that done. And the contenders on the Democrat side are very much in the vein of, um, you know, they're in the vein of not having to do anything to really get elected. They don't have to promise anything. They just come in with these slogans like Barack Obama just promised hope and change. Nothing quantifiable. So at the end of his presidency, the first term, he didn't have to have accomplished anything. Um, he just had to have made some people feel hopeful and things had to have changed. It doesn't even hope and change doesn't even mean it changes for the better. He said he would transform America. Well, he did, but it doesn't have to be for the better. So Americans, when faced with a choice of a man who said he was going to get a wall built and spent two years fighting for it and then started to get, you know, got it done. The Democrats know that's a winner and they're not going to let it happen if there's any way they can prevent it. Um, So I'm, this is where we, uh, we have to do everything that we can to support this. I don't, I don't want to do the national emergency though. So remember yesterday on the show, we were talking to Cassie Smettle of the RNC and I mentioned that we discussed this on the air, um, that there, there was a possibility of there being another way around this and that if the president were to, um, use it's USMC 10. I'm going to get you the exact, um, the exact number here. The president could actually utilize, um, an existing provision of the law because he's fighting drug trafficking. And so all he has to do is, and we went over this, it was over, oh, Daniel Horowitz, Daniel Horowitz wrote the, the story and it's over at conservative review. And, if we definitely had him do that, if the president were to, to just use existing law, he wouldn't have so many things that he'd have to worry about because it wouldn't be anything that could be taken to Congress. He'd be operating within the um, parameters. Now, we haven't discussed what's actually in the bill, and I want to give you a little bit of what's going on. The House Freedom Caucus is actually trying to buy time for the president and this is another story. It's Chris Pandolfo's writing here. This is out just today. The Conservative House Freedom Caucus is urging Congress to slam the emergency break on the bipartisan security deal. No one's read it. It's over a thousand pages long. Um, they've found several pr- provisions that undermine security at the border. Um, and some of those provisions are going to be the ones that kind of they're like poison pills. 
Um, there's an ironclad reason to do a short, clean CR, no matter your, your views, and that is that the, the current legislation is 1,169 pages. It's the swamp in action. Now, according to Thomas Massey, the Republicans had a three-day rule that was regularly violated and, and totally you know, flouted for the past six years. Now, just six weeks into this new Congress, the, the Democrats' shiny new 72-hour rule is broken. So much for having time to read a bill before you vote on it. Now, I was told earlier today that there were like hundreds of people at the White House that had taken sections of the bill and were reading it and summarizing it so that they could get it done in the amount of time that's needed. So there, I don't believe the president is going to be unable to say, you know, they don't know what's in the bill. But here's one of the gems. Section 224 of this bill says that ICE may not remove any sponsor or potential sponsor or member of a household of an unaccompanied minor. So that's de facto sanctuary for anyone who's brought into the country or brings into the country an unaccompanied minor. 30 to 40% of the MS-13 arrests have been unaccompanied children. Again, 30 to 40% of MS-13 have been unaccompanied children. So there is a serious amnesty sanctuary provision stuck in. Um, that's one of them. Potential sponsor. Do you hear how broad that is? You could almost say anything. Now, Section 231 says none of the funds made available by this act or prior acts are available for the construction of pedestrian fencing within the Santa Ana Wildlife Refuge, Benson, Rio Grande Valley State Park, La Lomita Historical Park, National Butterfly Center, west or east of the Vista Del Mar Ranch Tract. In other words, tons of areas that are wide open right now would have to remain wide open. And they've also placed this provision, this restriction, it goes on any previous allocation. So any money the president currently has that he was planning on using in these areas would be barred by this new bill. Areas that would have to remain permanently open forever. All right. Thanks for being here today. God bless you from the heartland. See you tomorrow. Family Talk.